Hello and welcome back to Basic Bible 102. I'm Margie Smith and today's lesson was going to be Lesson 11 on money. Uh, this is one of the lessons in the Life of Christ series um, of the New Testament. So the first module of the New Testament study of Basic Bible 102. Today's lesson, as I mentioned, is going to follow up a little bit with last week. Last week we talked about righteousness and feeling like you have made it and being somewhat self-righteous. Today is going to follow a little bit along those lines in that it's about money. The thing about money is we all have to deal with it. Um, Either we have too much or we don't have enough. I don't know if anybody has too much. Um, Or how we spend it. If you really want to know something about someone, you can tell by what they spend their money on. So first I'm going to ask you, are you the kind of person that saves every penny, just very frugal? Or are you the kind of person that when you get some money, you just spend it because you've worked hard for it and you want to go enjoy it? And both kinds of people have, um, they're good to that and, and not good. But mostly what we want to be is we want to be able to ask God, what do you want me to do with my money? Because here's the, the truth of it. Everything we have belongs to the Lord. It was given to us to use it um, and to enjoy it. But in the end, if God says, I want you to give money over here, or if he says, um, I'm taking away some money from you, whatever situation we find ourselves in, we have to know that that was what God's plan was for us. If we are walking in the way that he has directed us. So there's several parables about money, and there's also some just direct teachings that Jesus did. Uh, As you've seen, as we've been going through the parables, they're sometimes hard to understand. This, the lessons for today are not particularly hard to understand, but they're hard to do. So let's begin. Uh, we're going to be looking at, well, first let's look at the rich, uh, the rich fool. This is in Luke 12. Uh, we're going to begin down in verse 13. And here's what it says. I'll just read some of it. Someone in the crowd said to him, and they're asking Jesus a question, Teacher, tell tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Okay, so not only do they come to Jesus needing to be healed or, uh, you know, the other things that we've seen him have to deal with, but now, you know, questions about theology, whatever. But this time they've come to him and asked him, you know, you have power, can't you just make my brother do something? Or if you say it, maybe my brother will listen. And I think that um, in this case, he wants his brother to divide the inheritance. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? 
This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. All right, so we see the beginning of this, that there, you know, the, the man who's come to Jesus asking about, you know, having his brother share the inheritance. Uh, Jesus answers it basically, hey, this is your deal. What I, what, here's what the truth is. The truth is that if you lay up a lot of um, material possessions, a lot of money, whatever, then um, it doesn't matter unless you're rich towards God. And, and it's kind of foolish to pile on all these um, extra, you know, riches. Now, um, let, let's look at this a couple of different ways. First, let's look at it as if you were the gentleman who came to Jesus and asked for help. So he probably walked away saying, well, I guess that means my brother doesn't have to share with me. Or maybe it means that he does. So we see that Jesus is just sidestepping this issue between him and his brother, not wanting to get into this little quarrel match. But he is presenting a very good truth. And so uh, what he's saying here is that, you know, our future isn't up to us. It's up to the Lord. And he does give us many good things, but um, we can't be greedy with those things. And here, when he says, um, you know, he tells the, the story of the man who saves up all of this and, and then he's got plenty and yet he decides, well, I'm just going to store up some more instead of giving the, his excess away, instead of, um, you know, sharing with his neighbors, who knows what he could have done. But he decided instead, he just wanted to hoard all of his um, money from his crops, or actually in this case, he hoarded all of the fruit from the crops The probably was um, grain or something like that. And so Jesus is telling him, you know, you're foolish because you're being so selfish. You're holding it in and, and saving it all up for yourself, but you're not going to be able to live to enjoy it because tonight is your night. And none of us know the day or the time. But I do understand that some people say, well, what do we, does that mean we shouldn't save money? But if we thought that way, then that would directly contradict what we learned back in Proverbs 30, verse 25, that says, ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. So what he's saying is that it's, it's, you know, we do need to store up a certain amount, I think. I think we need to be wise in the use of our money, and sometimes that wisdom will involve saving money. Do I think we need to save to excess? No. I think that all of us who have means to um, make money should be as generous as we can afford to be with it, and especially generous towards God. But it doesn't mean that you give away every cent and then you're the person starving. Uh, however, some people would say, no, that, that is a way to live. And you know what? If the Lord calls you to poverty, if he says, I want you to make a vow of poverty and to um, make sure that you don't ever let any money um, stay in your possession, that it flows through you, then that is an awesome thing. And by all means, do it. But that isn't a calling for everyone because we need people with money to build churches, to fund missionary trips, to do so many more things. And so God is basically saying, I'm going to give stuff to you and what you do with it will determine how righteous you really are. Because if you just want to say, well, it's all mine and you're greedy, then, then that is not uh, showing what it means to be a believer. 
Okay, so what would be the danger in hoarding or holding on to more than we need? Basically, we're showing that we don't trust God for our future. And so if we trust the Lord to provide for all of our needs, then we are not going to be um, miserly with what He gives us. Now, all of us are in different places in our life. Some of us, college students perhaps, uh, hardly have any money. Some of us, uh, a successful business, really are doing quite well. Uh, It doesn't really matter where you are on the pendulum, whether you are someone who has a lot of money or you have no money. You're homeless. You just really are barely getting by. The Lord is well aware of your financial system. And of course, we should ask when we have needs. We definitely should. Um, But on the other hand, he will lay on our heart to give, to be a generous giver. And we should be faithful to do that as well. Okay, in your homework, you probably looked at Matthew 6, 1 through 4, and I'm going to read that as well. It reads, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So what do you think that Jesus meant when he said, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing? Well, in those days, the Pharisees would stand on the corner when they were giving and make a big deal about you know, the show of how much they were giving. And of course, poor people didn't have much to give, so they didn't get that kind of glory or honor. Um, I think that the similar kind of thing we would look at today is when someone builds a hospital, you know, donates all the money for uh, any particular uh, humanitarian effort, and then uses it in promotion of their business or whatever they're promoting, or even their own personal vanity. And it would be better to give in secret because if you received your praise on earth, if people uh, all thought he's the most, what a wonderful guy, look what he's done, then then you've received your reward here on earth. That, That in heaven, God will say, yeah, that was nice, but you know what? You already got your reward for that. And we would much rather store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Okay, this is going to look down in verse 19 of that same chapter, chapter 6 of Matthew. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we can, and we know this to be true. I'm sure you do. I, I know it's true of me. It's easy to let your heart go to whatever it is that you treasure. And if it's money, then that's what you're going to care about. And if it's people, then that's what you're going to care about. And so Jesus is more or less saying you can't really expect to be the kind of um, Christ follower that he's asking you to be if you are always seeking the praise of man, seeking people to notice how much good you've done. Okay, continuing on in this passage, it says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. 
But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And I think what Jesus is saying here is that whatever you have your eye on, you know, whether it's a nice new shiny car, brand new house, you know, whatever it is, it could be a a certain guy for a boyfriend, or uh, it could be uh, obtaining a notoriety for some, whatever it would be, or becoming famous, your whole body, if that's where your eye is focused, then everything about you is going to turn that direction. But if your eyes are looking at Jesus and at what God has for you, then that brings light into your whole body, into your whole self. Um, Okay, so then once again in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and man. This is a great truth as well, because you know yourself. If you have two bosses and they're equally telling you what to do, it's very difficult to work under that condition because you don't know who you should be loyal to. And when conflict comes, you don't know who's the winner here. And in in the spiritual realm, Jesus is saying, you can't serve two masters. You're either going to serve God or you're going to serve yourself. So if you're going to serve God, then this, then you need to listen to him and listen to what he tells you to do with your money and your time and your talents. If you're not going to serve God, then you're going to be off doing the things that you think give you fulfillment that you want to do. All right, continuing on once again, let's look down in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Okay, so this, this is a great passage, and, and most Christians lean on it because we know that there are times when you don't know what's going to happen, and there's a tendency to worry. I mean, we all have a tendency to worry eventually. Some of us can push it off and try not to admit it, but there are times when we just don't know you know, what's going to happen, and it causes us to worry. We don't know if we're going to have enough money for rent or for car payment or for groceries. And in the same way, sometimes you feel like, well, I don't have the clothes that I want. You know, I don't have the tennis shoes that I want, or I don't have the something to wear to a big event, the prom, the uh, a wedding, whatever it is. And so these are the things that we have to trust God for, because we have to say, God, you have already taken care of everything in our lives, everything, your your birth, your health, your where you live, uh, the people who surround you, all of these things God has uniquely 
done for you. And so, of course, he knows what you need. And all we really need to do is just ask him and leave it there and not spend the time worrying about it. Because like it says, you can't add an hour to your life by worrying. All it does is steal things from you, steal your time. So um, what is the reward in seeking righteousness? Hopefully you saw that our reward is in heaven, that, that God rewards us richly. And he does. He blesses us. And, and sometimes we just have to say, even though we're tempted to worry about things, and, and you probably have a whole list of things you're tempted to worry about, those, you know, it is a temptation. And instead, you have to stop and, and just say, God, even this is yours. Okay, turn back now to Luke 16. Here's another parable that Jesus um, tells the people who are listening to him. And remember these, these phrases, um, these stories are difficult for these people because, you know, they're oppressed. They're oppressed by Rome. And if they had even an extra penny, they, the Roman uh, government would probably find a way to get it. So for them, it, you know, the only people who really have money were people like the tax collectors who could siphon off money for themselves. But nonetheless, God is um, aware of our situation and he knows exactly how much money we have. And so in this case, Jesus tells his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it for 400. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than they are with people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little will also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you the property of your own? Once again, he says, no servant can serve two masters, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and man. So at this point, this, the Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourself in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. So he's telling, you see this this phrase about the people of this world know are very shrewd in dealing with their own kind. And it's true. Wheeler dealers, um, the fact that we know how to get what we want, we can bargain, we can, uh, you know, everybody has the, uh, a way that they use to get what they want. 
And in this case, the, the manager was about to lose his job and he thought, well, if all these people are, you know, beholding to me, then it'll be fairly easy for me to, to go and, and maybe find another job. And, and uh, in the meantime, they'll take care of me. And so Jesus is saying that, that was pretty smart of this guy. He was taking care of his business uh, as, you know, even though he was being dishonest towards his master. And Jesus points this out, that he's very shrewd. He's found a way to um, protect himself. But he wasn't very faithful to his master because we see that he actually cheated his master out of some of what he was owed. And so um, even in that, the uh, young man who um, was not faithful with what he had been given will probably not get any other uh, opportunity to manage money. And if, on the other hand, he had been very um, wise and uh, trustworthy, then he would be given more. And, and we've seen that in last uh, weeks or several weeks ago lessons about um, being wise with the talents God gives you. And that talent can be money. It can also be your time, your abilities, so forth. So if you think back, well, that was in lesson nine, I guess, where we talked about the, um, the talents. <clears throat> so it is true that God may ask some of us to give up everything we have and, and to just follow him in, in, uh, in whatever calling he gives us. And yet some of us, he will say, okay, I've put you in charge of this business or I've put you in charge of this um, opportunity, whatever it might be, and how you uh, handle it will be determine how you will be blessed or not. So there's a certain amount of wisdom in how we handle our money too. It's really not just a simple matter of either I have a lot or I have none. Because whatever we have, we're responsible for. And we will be judged accordingly. Okay, so if our hearts are right with God, money will not be our focus. We won't be money grubbing and trying to cheat out anybody. Our heart will be... Um, much more generous, much more um, giving where there are needs, and God can flow th um, His blessings through you to others. But if we grab on to everything and just kind of hoard it, then it's going to be taken away from us anyway. All right, one last story. This is in Mark 12, 41 through 44. And it says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor woman has put more into its tr the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, uh, put in everything, all she had to live on. And so we see that um, God is commending this woman for trusting God to take care of her. And at the same way, he's saying, you don't want to be like these Pharisees that are just showing off, showing, you know, and, and they're giving out of, because they have a lot, so they can give a lot. And I think sometimes we can feel like, well, I don't have a lot to give. Um, kind of like the little drummer boy at Christmas, he didn't have anything to give Jesus in the manger. So instead he played his drum. And I think sometimes we have to say, well, what do I have? What do I have that I can 
uh, lay on the altar and say, God, what would you like me to do to um, use this for your kingdom purposes? Luke 11, 9 through 10 says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. These are just a few of the lessons that Jesus spoke re- regarding money. And, and there will be some others that will come up as we look at other parables. But the important thing to take away from all of this is that our well-being is really in God's hands. It is not our own abilities or our own efforts, because all of that can be dashed in a heartbeat. We need not worry about money, what we have or don't, because God is the one who ultimately provides for what we need. And our attitude towards money should be the same as with any other blessing the Lord provides. We are to be good stewards, wise in the use of every blessing to further the kingdom of God. Okay, so you've had a little bit of a lesson about money. I think from a personal standpoint, it's wise to like take maybe a Dave Ramsey course or other courses so that you can be wise in the way that you handle your money. Uh, I I think also that um, if you're asked to give and it seems sacrificially that you know, like this poor widow woman, that you won't have enough, and yet you know that that's what God's asking you to do, then just go ahead and do it because God will bless you accordingly. I like to give this example from many, many years ago. Um, I was, uh, we were in a church service and it was an evening church service. And uh, the missionary who was there was telling what he did with the missions money and, and that they still needed money for some things. And they were important things. And I remember listening and being just convicted and felt like, okay, God's laying on your heart. I'm just going to give everything that's in my purse. You know, whatever money I have, I'm going to give. And because here's the deal. It was fairly an easy thing to say to God, because you know what? I never had any money. I I was always kind of broke. And so um, sure enough, the offering plate comes around and I reach in there. And then I remembered that I had gotten paid for babysitting the week before some of my neighbor's kids. And these were rotten kids. It was a hard week. And so I was so happy that I had made that money that week. Uh, just, in, you know, in, in, even though, you know, because we just didn't have much money back then. And so a week's worth of babysitting money was kind of a big deal. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, no, it was a crisis of belief. At that moment, I either had to say, God, I trust you that you're going to return this in whatever way. And I promised I would do this, so this I will do. And so I put that money into the offering, and I felt so good about it. I, I felt a freedom. I didn't feel like, oh, man, God's just ripping me off. I didn't feel like guilt, because God doesn't want you to be guilty in your giving. He wants a cheerful giver. And so I was able to, to really walk away with such a light, happy feeling, knowing that God was going to take care of everything else and all the work and everything we do to try and obtain money. Really, it's all God's anyway. So think about that the next time you get caught up in working a lot of overtime. And, and yes, we need to be good um, employees. We need to be good stewards of what, give, what God gives us. But if we're called upon to give, we need to be generous in that too. Okay, that wraps up our lesson for today. Uh, Next week, we're going to be talking about prayer. That's another great topic that Jesus spoke about. So I hope that you'll spend some time and go through some of the readings for next week. It will be in Matthew 6, uh, part of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, And it will also be in Matthew 7, Matthew 21. 
Mark 11, John 15. There's a lot about prayer. Luke 11, Luke 18. If you have the student workbook, uh, you will see what kind of passages uh, that you need to read for next week as for your homework. And mostly that is in Matthew and uh, a, a verse in Mark and a, a verse in John. So it's not um, a lot of reading. Uh, in the meantime, thanks for being faithful with your lessons. And may the Lord bless you in whatever way he calls you to give. Have a great week.